1: Bruce Long. Stop quoting that Bible verse episode two with some of the dopest Christian creatives. Creators? Are we creators or are we creators? I don't know. That you haven't heard of. They're all over the place uh, theologically, okay? Uh, hence why I put this group together, because we're all diverse theologically. You got Trey, who's a Baptist, right? You got Jason Mayfield, who leans on the prosperity tip. I, I don't know what I am. I'm kind of like the everything, right? You got Pastor Roy, who's in the hood. He-, he would probably not mind the title of woke church, right? As Pastor Eric Mason has laid it out. So you have a, a-, a wide spectrum, and that is by design. I want to pull up what some of you guys drop in my comments, and some of you guys are probably going to say here, and I want to unpack this passage. All right, so this is Jesus in Matthew 6, and it says, "Um, And why do you worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. Don't they work? Um, They don't work to make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed up as beautifully as they are. And if God cares wonderfully for the flowers uh, that are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire... Uh, Why do you have so little faith? right? Um, Sorry, he he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? These things... Uh, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your deeds. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. That's the part that uh, seldom is, is looked at verse 33, right? And live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I see this all throughout my comments, and I'll see you guys like, yeah, you know, uh, it's like every 19-year-old Christian that doesn't want to, like, figure out any useful skills and <laughs> doesn't know how he's going to provide for a family, and they're like, oh, yeah, Matthew, uh, you know, don't worry about tomorrow because uh, Jesus said don't worry, and it's like, yeah, yeah, you, you completely missed the other part of that verse, right? You completely missed the other part of that verse, which is, I'll say it again for you guys, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. There's that flourishing again. There's that prosperity again, right? And so, what do you guys think about this passage? Because I think this is butchered a lot. And I think this is where we we might get into the poverty gospel side of things, right? Where it's, hey, you don't get to sell your possessions and be liquid, as Pastor Roy described, is what we see in Acts. You don't get to do it. You have to do it. And you don't, you're not supposed to worry. And by the way, you shouldn't worry. That word worry is important, right? But if I say, if I say, Trey, hey, man, you don't got to worry about anything. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah, I don't have to worry. But if I say, hey, Trey, you don't got to think about your church. You don't got to think about, right? You don't got to have a, a, any type of plan. You can just kind of wing it. You can just wing it, Trey. You'd be like, you're out of your mind. Ruslan, no, I have responsibilities. I have
2: a family. I got to put food on the table. I got to pay for this house. Right? So I think you're right, right? And, and, you know, when people talk about worry or anxiety, right? Some translations say, um, do not be anxious, yes. right, about your life. But I think, you know, you hit on a, a few things. One... <laughs> Even, you know, from a natu- from a nature perspective, it's, it says the birds don't sow or reap because we're talking about seasons, right, and harvesting. And he's using an agricultural reference to where people have to go out and work the fields and then those, those fields generate, and then you actually have to harvest them. Because if you don't, you know, pull up crops, they'll die, and then they become worthless. Where he was like, look at the birds, right? They don't sow or reap or gather, but God gives them everything that they need. But birds don't do nothing because if birds did nothing, they would die, right? Mm. So... your 18 year old example like that doesn't mean that we sit still and god will chew up the food and drop it in our mouth like we're baby birds like that's not gonna happen you know what i mean so like even the birds gotta go dig for the worms they don't have to store them because every day god will provide more worms that's just how the world works you know what i mean so it's like and i think that's how people look at that but when we talk about anxiety it's not thought it's not you know taking into consideration it's anxiety, right? Worry. It's it's like you don't have confidence in the fact that you're going to be making like that's anxiety, right? To think about it, to plan for it, um, to, to take it into consideration, to be precautious, precautious, to be prepared. None of that is being anxious. And I think that's when you said we go to the other one. People are like, I just need to be an absolute monastic, <laughs> destitute poverty And then if I need a sandwich, God will drop me a sandwich, right? Like, so we're almost like, you know, it's like hobos for Jesus. Like, I don't know where that comes from, because even from a natural perspective, the way that God created, you know, the way that God created even animals, there's work to be done in that vein. So I think we have to understand and seek the kingdom of God so that we know how our gifts are supposed to be used, right? So that we're walking in the path and walking in the way that God wants us to walk and that we're not seeking our own will, we're seeking God's will for us. And then as we seek God's will and as we're obedient, he will add on to, you know, add unto us the things that we need um, to, to be successful. But it's not just sit and wait and it's not throw everything in the trash and live in, in absolute poverty, which is where I've seen a lot of people do this as well, right? Like, oh, you're struggling and your bills aren't paid, but it's fine, still stay in full-time ministry and don't go get a job to take care of your family. Yes. Right, like that's the other side that I think people tend um, to take this, and and I and I don't think that's what it's saying.
1: Yeah, let me go to Pastor Trey because I think this is something that I, I just see too often, and it, and it does bum me out. Right, it, it it really does bum me out because I think a lot of folks just miss it on this. So let me hear from Pastor
0: Trey. Uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, so God actually created us to have anxiety. Okay. So the question is what kind of anxiety is Jesus addressing? So they're the two different what they what they use like in counseling world is you have acute anxiety and chronic anxiety. Mm. So what Jesus is saying is don't have chronic anxiety. Okay. So acute anxiety is based off of an immediate threat. Woo! So you react, you respond. It's the today. There is an immediate threat today. My family needs food today. So I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna win the day, I'm gonna provide for my family today because yep. that's immediate. Yep. Chronic anxiety is an imagined threat. Mm. And that's the biggest difference there. Don't be anxious. Don't imagine all these future things. You have no idea if that's going to happen or not. So he's saying, don't get so consumed with the imagined threats. What we're supposed to do is be responsible for our immediate threats. And so acute anxiety is actually a blessing. Um, Shame, anger. These are all blessings when we're using it in the right context. And so it's really lazy of us to say, oh, that's bad. That's evil you know, those are actually good things. God wired us that way. So obviously there's something in us. That's a good thing that God gave us. And so acute anxiety versus chronic anxiety is a really helpful conversation. I would also say though, that what's kind of hard is a lot of people kind of use this passage. Um, like a lot of people come to church expecting just to hear this message, Mm. you know, like come to Jesus and God will take care of all your worries. And Mm. it's a real temptation for me as a pastor and, you know, just say, okay, like, come Jesus, he'll take care of you. And so we love these verses, but I love that how he says, seek the kingdom of God. And I think we can preach even this passage in a way that says, seek the kingdom of man. Yeah. So like Morris Dirks talks about, there's really three different uh, shifts. There's th- three views uh, when things aren't going well, like three reasons why people come to church. In other words, Morris Dirks, he said, the first one is the, the managed life. So sometimes people come to church to say, what, how do I look and feel good? I'm coming to you. I'm coming to this Jesus thing because I want to look and feel good. Mm -hmm. And so God actually honors that because then like a lot of times we come in for the wrong reasons, but then we're, we're saved and then God begins to sanctify us and all that. So I think as pastors, we need to know that that's a thing why people are coming, but there's so much more hope than that. And then also, so some people come for the managed life, other people come for the wounded life. Mm -hmm. And so their question that they're asking themselves is what can I do to get back? To looking and feeling good, mm-hmm. so some people go through a, a, a terrible disaster and they finally come to church, right? So again, the the, the temptation is to say, come to Jesus. You won't have any worries. You won't. No, there'll still be acute anxiety in your life, yeah. right? And so it's a false promise. But what we're called to do to preach and to live is the formed life. So not the managed life, not the wounded life, but the formed life. So the question we have to ask ourselves: When we have quote unquote worries, when we have um, you know, threats in our life. Okay. What is God doing through this? And what is God doing in me? Mm-hmm. That's the shift. So that's when you begin to seek first, the kingdom of God is you don't ask, how do I look good? How do I get better to looking and feeling good? It's okay, God, what are you doing through this for others? And what are you doing to, to do this in me, to make me look more and more like you? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think that's a really helpful conversation when we talk about worries. That's good. So how would you
1: glue these two ideas, right? How would you glue these two sides, Trey? I know Tr- Pastor Trey has to get out of here in a sec, but I want to hear these two ideas because, again, context. Pastor Trey is bivocational. He pastors a church in the in Phoenix area, about 150 people. He still lays concrete on the side. He has a family that he provides for. And there's a lot of young people watching this, Trey, that hear this, some of this and they think, Oh, what's the point of having money and what's the point of working hard? I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm gonna be. Uh, it's all about Jesus, and I'm not really gonna do anything. Or they hear the other extreme, right? So, how would you glue these two ideas together so that people can walk away with a healthy, biblical understanding of what role does finances play, what role does being a provider play, and what role does flourishing play in the life of a believer?
0: Yeah, that's really good. Um. I would say one thought is uh, like an easy thing to talk about is look before the fall, we were working. So like, that's like, you know, the work is not a result of the fall. We were created to work. Yes. There's joy in working. So it's like, man, like I am so fueled. Like I hate when I'm lazy. And there's a difference, by the way, between laziness and rest. Hmm. Um, so there's something to that. Um, but but I would say this is I've actually met more people who are poor and that are obsessed with money. Wow. Than those who are Rich and are obsessed with money. So, um, time and time again, bar none, I mean, I have seen, and, and another thing that I didn't mention is many people come to me and say, man, God won't give me any money. I know their financial life. Like I know how dumb they are with their money. Like why would God continue to bless that? Those, those problems will just keep getting worse. And like, it's God's grace that he's not giving this to you. But the biggest question I ask people to figure out, look, these are gifts. These are pleasant. And when we expect them to be perfect, when they expect them to be God, right? They become perverted, right? They become gross, And so the biggest thing I say is when you have a lot, um, do you have contempt for those who are beneath you? Then that means you're worshiping money. If you have contempt for those who are beneath you, Mm. but a lot of people who don't have enough, they have resentment towards those who are above you. So contempt or resentment. So it depends on, do you have a lot of money or not? But both of those are not the way of Jesus. You see that in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, And so if you have resentment in your heart, you're probably worshiping money. If you have contempt in your heart that you're better than others, you're probably worship, worshiping money. And God has such a better, that fruit of the spirit, that peace, that joy, that love, right? That comes and you can't have peace and contempt, right? You can't have joy and resentment. I think that's the heart of it that we have to keep pushing towards and recognizing seasons. Like my dad's ministry is doing really well right now. 10 years ago, it wasn't. So I'm looking at my ministry now You know, there, I know that there will be better days, but I'm patient because I know, you know what, I'm rooting my dad on as he's succeeding right now. I have zero resentment for him. I'm rooting him on because I serve a God of abundance and the same God who's blessing him will one day bless me. So I'm in this for the ride and I'm just going to enjoy all the little things along the way. And there's a lot of blessings when you don't have a lot. You get to enjoy things. You don't have as much responsibility. And so it's just really taking what God has given you and seeing it's a beautiful gift and just using it to glorify your creator. That's good. That's
1: good. Let me bring in uh, the either either Pastor Troy or Jason, and I, I want to get their thoughts on this because I think again, some of us just have such an extreme view of this, and we miss like the tangible responsibility that we have on this side of eternity um, in terms of how to um, engage this conversation, right? And and, and I would say uh if you're sitting here and you think none of this matters and talking about money doesn't matter i would say man you 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 that's probably a blind spot that you need to
3: address Uh, i mean i don't disagree with anything that trey just said i don't disagree with anything that uh roy said on this particular issue at all um uh coming out of matthew 6 i think it's everything they said was right on uh but in terms of um, I, Trey just said something that I thought was so good about the, the contempt and the resentment. Mm. But I also think that sometimes what we do, because I know a lot of people think that I, because re- of things that I say, I know that people think that I resent people who don't have money or don't give money. Mm. Uh, and that is not true. I just want to say this. There's also a, a value in setting boundaries with folks. Mm. And I don't listen to broke people talk about money because <laughs> their advice takes my finances in a direction i'm not real interested in it going yeah so i don't so you know you set boundaries and you can be open about those things and i you know i'm called to teach and to preach so sometimes i'm saying that stuff a little bit more candidly to a camera than you might say it in a private conversation then i might say it in a private conversation but um but yeah no i mean i think i think this this is killer conversation tonight
2: yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the only thing I would add, and I think I think, Russ, I think you pointed it out. And I, and, I, and, I, and I even I agree with Jason in a lot of stuff, because one thing I think that we fail to do in the church is to talk about money. Mm. Right. The only way we talk about money is giving it right And like how you should let go of it. We don't talk about how to manage it. We don't talk about how to earn it. We don't talk about right how to protect it and how to make sure um, that we have an inheritance for generations after generation. Um, but yeah, I just think it all has to be, I think it all has to be healthy and within context. And a lot of it also comes from knowing who your audience is. Yeah. Right. Like most of my ministry is outreach, right? Like um, my life is not, <laughs> I don't live in the same economic status of most people in this country. Right. Mm. Cause I, I make a lot of money. Um, so, but like, I still have to keep that, i have to be mindful of that. Right. And I, one thing I tell my mentees, um, And Ruslan, I think you said it on one of your videos earlier this week when he was like, you can tell your financial position by your five closest friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one thing I normally tell my mentees is that I actually think you're insecure if everybody around you is in the same tax bracket. Mm. Right. So like if you don't have people around you who make less money than you, then you're probably arrogant. And if you don't have people around you who make more money than you, then you're probably insecure. Yeah. Right. So I good. think but when we don't talk about money in church, we don't know. Right. Like yeah. we don't like, OK, that guy seems like he's taking really good care of his family. Um, how can I learn more about, you know, how can I learn more about how he's handling his finances and the skills that he got to be able to get him income? Right. Like the kind of stuff that you're doing in the Patreon community is stuff that that's absent in the church which is trying to help people develop skills so we can be more effective for the kingdom and so that more people can be prosperous and we can benefit the church, the community and everything else as well. So I think we miss the because prosperity and money has been so abusive in the church. Yeah, I think the church has went too far left to where you either have congregations that only talk about money and then you have congregations that never talk about money. And I think the healthy balance is somewhere in the middle.
1: And Jason alluded to this at the beginning of the stream, where he talked about something. So I want to pull up this passage, and and uh, this is Proverbs chapter Proverbs chapter six, and I am reading from the ESV, um, the Lex Standard version. So check this out. It says, "My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor." Um, Have you given your pledge for a stranger? If you're snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself, for you have come into the hands of your neighbor. And then it says, go hasten and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the slug go to the ant, O oh sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food and harvest. How long will you lie, O sluggard? When will you rise up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will creep up on you like a robber and and want like an armed man. Okay, I'm going to read you guys the New Living Translation, okay? It says, My child, if you've put up security for a friend's debt or guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you've said, if you've put up security, if you if you're trapped, If you're in an agreement, if you've co-signed, if you're in debt, follow my advice and save yourself for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride and go and beg to have your name arrest. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. And then it says, save yourself like a gazelle. Escaping from a hunter. My son loves videos of gazelles uh, and how they run away. Like a bird fleeing from a net. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy, burn, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governors or rulers to make them work, they labor all summer, gathering food for the winter. Okay? Um, and then he goes on to say a little sleep, a little slumber. So, Jason, you, you alluded to this earlier. And you said that something about, and this was so real in my life, something about, something about paying off your debt. Unlocks something, right? And there's a there's a tangible side to it where Dave Ramsey always says, hey, 80% of personal finance is behavior, right? Because if it was all head knowledge, then nobody would ever go in debt, right? For credit card debt and, and just silly consumer debt, right? Um, and so uh you talked about paying off debt and how that unlocks something in you, right? Talk about that a little bit and, and how that's played out. Cause it was massive in my life when me and my wife paid off $45,000 of debt in 18 months, it was life-changing, right? It was, it was, it was life-changing. Go ahead. Yeah. And so
3: this, I may steer into a little bit of the weirdness of prosperity a little bit here, but um, this is all my own personal stuff. This isn't, this is not representative of any preacher, but You know, the Bible talks about how you can't serve two masters. You can either serve God or you can serve money. And I always thought it was real interesting that um that God and money were put up next to each other, juxtaposed as two entities, considering the statue of God or the stature of God. Okay. Now I don't think that money is equal or equivalent or as powerful as God, but what it does tell me is that money has more of a mind of its own than we probably give it credit for. Hmm. And while money is a terrible ruler, it's a fantastic servant. It's excellent. It's not a good slave, but it's an excellent servant. If you want to talk about a butler or a maid, money makes an excellent butler. But it likes to go where it's treated well. Hmm. It likes to go where it's treated with respect. When you pay off your debt, something happens that I cannot explain. When you go completely debt-free, um, and I'll even say this, when you have significant money sitting in the bank, because uh, a principal Jesus even said, you want to have because those who have, to them more will be given. Mm. So you don't want a zero net balance or a zero net worth. You want to have because if you have, more will be given to you. So when you go debt-free, you bring your net worth up to zero. So when you've treated that money well, when you've treated it, With respect, when you've managed it in a way where it can trust you, it does tend to make its way to you. Now, whether that's money as a supernatural force or God as a supernatural force behind money, the problem is we see this work with both uh, those who are lost and those who are saved. People who are good with money, money makes their way to them, and um, so yeah. I mean i I wish I could tell you. All I know is that. Everybody wants to know how the gears work. I don't really understand that because the gears don't matter. The fact is, go 100% debt-free, call me six months later and tell me how much money you're making that you weren't making before. I promise you that's going to be the situation. I promise you. And when I'm, ta- I'm talking factors yeah. of income, I'm talking adding digits yes. to income that happen as soon as we paid off that debt. And when we put money in the bank, again, it likes to go where it can be treated well. So come on.
1: that's 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 I, good. I, I, that's good. You like I, those
3: hard stops? I just throw exclamation points <laughs> on the end.
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean, listen. I think, I think for me, and I want to hear Pastor uh, Roy on this. For me, again, you, you said paying off your debt just gets you to a net zero, meaning your net worth is just zero, zero. right? And then you said having. Liquid cash. He's kind of alluding to an emergency fund, right? So me and my wife, we have a four month emergency fund, and then I have another like four or five months in the market, and then I have other little accounts with money that just kind of sit there that I yeah, try to just intentionally... keep money on hand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, You try to keep money on hand. the The, the, the principle, though, I think is huge because um, so many people are living paycheck to paycheck. So many people are living hand to mouth. So many people don't have an emergency fund, can't handle an emergency expense. Go ahead, Jason. Well, no, I I don't even, I I just want to correct you.
3: I don't think most people are living paycheck to paycheck. Most people are living less than paycheck to paycheck because, you know, the first thing that we have people do when they do a budget, when we're we're walking people through practical steps, is we tell them, include your credit cards because you're using them to live. Mm. Wow. So if you're using a credit card for anything and you're not paying it off, and I'm not talking about paying the balance, I'm talking about paying it to zero every month. Uh, If you're not doing that and you have a credit card in the equation, you're actually living on less than you make. Mm. Uh, And for some of y'all that that are listening, that's not buying clothes. It's not buying video games that it's buying groceries. Mm. And that's where we were. I mean, we were paying money to. Buy groceries. Wow. You know, when I went when I debt went debt free, I paid off nine-year-old hamburgers. <laughs> you know, I mean that's just where we were. So, you know, you're probably living on less than you make. I just wanted to say that because that's major.
1: That's heavy. I didn't even think about that. Ouch, yes, yes, because you're cause you're using credit cards to float other parts of your life. And I remember getting into an argument with a predominant label executive, and we had this argument, and I was right, I think almost debt-free. And I was just like, "Yeah, bro, like I don't believe I don't think it's God's will for you to be in debt." And they were like, "Well, what about when you don't get paid from a show and you have to use credit cards and you got to fly?" And I was just like, "No, I just don't believe that. Like I don't think that has to be your reality." And it was like a thing where we sat and we argued uh in in a, in, a, in and out for hours about this topic and these guys were like super duper reformed and really just reeking of poverty gospel vibes. And I was like, "No! No!" And sure enough, what happened? I got out of debt. Right. And and my net worth steady climbed and more revenue streams opened up and I acquired more skills and I became more generous, which made me, which made my character different. It made me more likable. It made right it, it attracted more people to me, so on and so forth. And it all worked together. And like you said, Jason, it doesn't really it, it's it's tough to explain. Like it's really tough to explain these things. But I think for a lot of people watching this, um, Figuring out a way to one, how much debt do you have? What do you need to make? Are there side income potential opportunities? Um, you know, what things can you grow? So on and so forth. But it does something supernatural, and or at least it did in my life. I don't, I don't want to speak in absolutes, but it did in my life. Um, it just did something supernatural.
3: I think it's an absolute principle. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, okay. I don't. So I think sometimes we just try to take the edge off of it for that one person out there that's like, <laughs> listen, you know, I, I, I'm i in a denomination that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. And we're going to stick with that. And we're not going to try to figure out how to make that work for the deaf mute. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get that the deaf mute's out there, but, you know, we're just going to let him and the Holy Ghost figure that out together, mm. you know? And so I think some with money, we try to make sure that everybody feels okay about it. Yeah. And sometimes I think, listen, we live in a society where we have made it available. Listen, debt is part of the delusion. Yes. And it's part of the delusion on prosperity, too. Some of you don't believe in prosperity because you don't have to. I was listening to Steve Harvey talk about prosperity earlier. He wasn't using those words, but he was talking about believing God for more. Steve Harvey says, you know why I believe I wanted to get rich? He said, because I was living in my car. Yeah, And you know, some of y'all have got these credit cards and you're bandaging problems in your life. There's no reason to move forward because you can just credit card your way through before you ever have to actually make a change. And you don't realize how bad it is. I think one of the most powerful things you could do tonight is go calculate all your debt. And when you're done with it at the bottom of the Excel sheet, assuming you can use an Excel sheet. And if you can't use a yellow pad at the bottom of that yellow pad, write, I am broke. And if we get a little bit tougher on that, because I I do think it's an absolute when you what you just said, when when you pay off that debt, increase comes to him who has more will be given. It's just it is a reality. It is. There is no way to circumvent. Does that mean you're not going to have problems? Does That mean uh, bills aren't going to come up that are going to kind of surprise you occasionally. Does that mean that I enjoy getting those phone calls from my CPA? I hate it when my CPA calls. I told her, I said, every time you call, I owe more money. Stop calling my phone. And so I I made a quit. I figured that'll solve it. So, you know, I, I, I get it. Stuff happens. Things happen. There's uh, There are going to be upsets in life. But I've also come to realize this, you know, and I was I was talking to Trey about this the other day, that people who are under the law have a tendency to look at suffering as punishment.
1: Hmm. But
3: people who are under grace look at suffering as preparation. It was Peter who said, after you've suffered a little while then I will establish you and make you. Come and on. so I, I do believe that you're going to have little troubles. You're going to have little problems, but no, you pay off that debt. I'll tell you what, you pay off all your debt. Call me and tell me your income went down. Mm. Call me and tell me you lost everything. Call me and tell me you went back into it. No. And don't call me with no halfway debt payoff. I don't care. If you still got $35,000 in student loans, don't call me. If you've still got $25,000 in student loans, don't call me. If you got $1,500 credit card, don't call me. You're not debt-free. You don't know what Come you're on. talking about. So Come you you can't say increase didn't come. You didn't do your job. You didn't finish it out. You
1: just have to make it happen. You said suffering. When you're under the law, you see suffering as punishment. When you're under grace, you see suffering as preparation. Absolutely. There's some of us that are suffering financially here. This year for me, I don't know. I don't think I told you and Pastor Roy. I've told some other people. My mom had has really bad hips, and she fell uh, because she's she was is an alcoholic. Fell, broke her shoulder, and at the beginning of COVID, and I literally had to stop doing all my day to day stuff and take her to the emergency room. Spend a day here. Go to this doctor. Get she had no insurance. I mean, she just like completely. We more or less strained. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is rough. <laughs> like, this is rough. This is hard. This is challenging. Uh that 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 I hadn't suffered like that in a while, Jason. I hadn't suffered like that in a while. But it was it was amazing because there was something in me honoring her despite her addiction, despite her making a complete utter mess of her life and me honoring her and me being there for her and the preparation on the other side of that. And now she she got the shoulder surgery. She got one hip fixed. You know, she's taking care of her health. She hasn't drank in over about six weeks. She's cut her smoking way down. Our relationship is better than it's ever been and that that point you said the suffering is preparation it's not punishment i could have been a i could have been a victim in that situation and said why god why me in the middle of covid do i have to go to this emergency room and that emergency room and, and you know what i mean and see my mom suffer in this way she had the surgery and and it was a really rough reconstructive surgery and they sent her home not understanding that she lived alone so she had to stay in my house on on my couch we don't have a spare bedroom for like a week and a half and having to get her up to use the bathroom, having to help her—like it was—it was hard. But man, am I so happy that I went through it, right? And it reminds me of that those same early years of being married um, and living with my mom that first year of marriage, and remembering how how much that felt like rock bottom of just like, gosh, this is brutal but goodness gracious not all of that like you said man when when we're under when we're under the law we view suffering as punishment when we're under grace we view suffering as preparation when
3: and and when i look back we uh you know i now people always you know want to throw it's easy to talk about this stuff cuz you have money Thank God for Facebook memories <laughs> because it's, you know, it's, it's June to December that I'm reminded because uh, six years ago now in June, we just, we're ending that season, uh, June, six years ago, uh, I lost my job. I had done everything right. I was the highest performer, highest producer. I was the right hand man. i had lost my job. My ministry was put in a terribly, uh, uh, a, a terribly disreputable situation that had mm. nothing to do with me. Um, it, was, it was just a lot of lies that were going around with a, a pastor who was having an affair and trying to find a scapegoat, mm. and so he used me. And uh, we lost everything, lost our job. I was unemployed for six months. Uh, but when we look back at that moment, my wife had been a couponer. Mm. And my wife started taking some of her coupon packages or coupon stuff that she had, her stockpile. She started making little packages and she'd put them in bags and she'd tie them up. She started putting them on Craigslist or whatever. She started going over and selling them, meeting people in a Walgreens parking lot by our apartment and selling these little packages. And we were surviving on her coupon stockpile that she had got just for fun. It was a hobby for her. Wow. And in that season, I realized that my wife had a proclivity to make money. <laughs> and when we went through the the, the darkest, most uh, detrimental season of my life, my ministry, our finances, all of it, yeah, the seed of our prosperity began. Mm. Now, I'd been preaching all of this stuff through that whole time. So here's here's the funny thing. If you go back to June to December of that time, and read my tweets and read my Facebook posts and watch my videos. I'm saying all the same stuff I'm saying today. Mm. Except I know I wasn't saying the debt stuff, I didn't have that revelation. But um, I was reading Total Money Makeover in that season. Mm. So a lot of that seed was being was being uh, planted, but I I was a lot of the stuff that I believe about money and spiritual the spiritual element, uh, what the gospel says about money, what the Bible says about money, uh, you know, that's all been in me for forever. And I so sometimes I I believe the credibility comes that I believed it in a broke place, I believed it when nothing was right, and now we've seen the fruit of that. We've seen the fruit of that revelation, and so yeah, this all comes out of pain. This all comes out of pain, but praise God, He'll take he, He'll restore to you what the canker worm and the Palmer worm and the
1: locust have eaten. Mm. Come on, that's that's good, uh, Pastor Roy. You wanna you wanna give us kind of a. A closing yeah. idea to glue all this together. Jason out here just dropping truth bomb after <laughs> truth bomb. Preach, you know? Goodness gracious, I gotta, I gotta man. I got
2: to preach on Sunday. I'll let, I'll let Jason <clears throat> preach, on, preach on Thursday. Um,
1: Listen, hold on, hold um, on, real, real quick. I, no, yeah. one, no one who watched this stream can walk away from this and just say they had head knowledge. You just got head knowledge about Bible verses that people quote out of context. Like we gave you guys very very practical applicable tangible steps okay Jason mentioned tody total money makeover in every single video I ever upload there's the descriptions for the Dave Ramsey baby steps right baby step 1 save up an emergency fund baby step 2 debt snowball your your debts right he talked about writing down all your debts figuring out where you are right so you guys have some ta- tangible takeaways now if you want to walk away from this and give me some uh, bs reason about oh no debt's good when you do it to buy assets are you are you buying assets with debt? Or is your net worth in the positive right cuz i don't want to hear excuses and i don't want to hear ways out of an application point that God may be revealing to you. I don't know if he is. I think he is to a lot of us. I think he is to a lot of us, especially going into 2021. So I just, I, you know, I don't want to talk about hypotheticals. I don't want to talk about abstract ideas. What do you need to do in your finances moving forward? Uh, go ahead, Pastor Roy, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just wanted no, to tie you good, that in. Bro.
2: Um, and I actually, I kind of wanted to, I'll close it out with a bit of practicality around what both of you were calling kind of like a supernatural feeling, right? So both of you talked about, that like supernatural change and factor in money, right? When you mm-hmm. became debt free. And I just built the house and I didn't pay cash. So I'm not debt free. Um, <laughs> but um, but from what I will, but the one thing I'll mention though, and I and I talk to my mentees about this. One, as you pay off debt, and this is for the people out there, right, who are just gonna say this is, you know, head knowledge or super supernatural or whatever. Um, so from a from an applications perspective, to make it very simple, as you pay off debt, your income goes up. Mm-hmm even as you don't make more money, mm-hmm. number one, right? Because if you had a 500 or 600 or $400 car payment and you pay that car off, now you make 400 more dollars a month, yes. right? If you were making $135 minimum payment on a credit card and now you pay that credit card off, you now have an extra $135 a month. So as you pay off debt without earning more income, you also increase your income. What mm. I found and what I see with a lot of people with that freedom, right? With that that extra flexibility, with that extra income, people also start growing less fearful mm. of taking risk with their money. And so, and, and Jason said it, like money attracts money. Come when on. you're not afraid to invest, you know, you know, every time Ruslan sent me a link, I'm ordering something, right? I'm like, well, let me try this microphone. Everybody can't buy a $300 microphone, but right, like, That helps drive the income. The cameras help improve the quality. Like, I'm not afraid to make those risks because I'm not going in debt buying them. Yes. Right. So the same thing with your business. You want to start an apparel company, but you don't want to put it on your credit card. But if you pay off some debt, now you have liquid cash that's available that you can use to invest. And so from an entrepreneurial perspective, a lot of the things that pop in our heads, right? And that's, I know, uh, Rusla calls himself a gear whore, right? Cause it's like, you see something and you buy it, yeah. but that's because you have something in your mind that you can create, right? Like I could shoot a video with this and then there's revenue tied to that. Yeah. And then I think we, so we stay away from that that fear factor that's like, okay. And I mean, everybody on here has families, right? Like if I put this on a credit card, that's putting my family at risk. If I, if I go, even if I pay cash, then that's going out of my reserves. But as you have more income, you become less, you you become less fearful of actually stepping out sometimes and what God may be calling you to do and fully utilizing your gifts because you can invest in making your gifts effective. Yep right so you buy the camera you make better content you make a better video you buy a better microphone your music sounds better you invest in some marketing content some a better website or whatever else and that helps your small business get developed right you can buy better kitchen equipment so you can start your catering business that you wanted to do that leads and like that's what I've seen happen so I'll just put that from an app from an application perspective right like yeah. Like it, it is true. Like as you pay off debt and I had my summary, I think we paid off 40 plus thousand dollars this year. Right. Congratulations. <laughs> Let's go. That was being furloughed. Right. That was having pay cuts, um, building a house. Right. Yeah. Moving, relocating, paying for temporary housing um for, for several months, but still being able to do that because that's the discipline. But at the end of the year, like I have more money now, mm. even though I spent money this year. So it's just that that dynamic, and I'll be making more money going into next year because I have less debt now. So, even though I'm not getting a pay increase because of COVID and the economy, I will make more money in 2021 because of the debt that I paid off. So, I just wanted to say that. So, it, and it's, and I think it's supernatural to a degree, right? Because I think God moves in that faith, but I think fear, two masters. And so, so I think that that debt being indebted to, to banks, to people, yeah. to whatever, there's a fear tied to that because we're subservient to that. Like as we start getting freed from that debt, as we, like I think we become more effective in the way that we serve God because we're less we're lessening our responsibility and even our tie to being um, to being indebted to money right? And being a slave to money because we owe it. And like Jason said, we're, and like somebody in the chat said, we're, we're living, we're living pay you know, hand to mouth, not even paycheck to paycheck. Um, and we keep, you know, taking investments and buying cars and doing things that we can't afford. So like I, in a a simple way that I put it for all my mentees, my goal every year is to make more money and spend less. Yeah. That's the easiest way to live.
1: That's good. That's good, man. That's really good. All right, guys. Yo, this was amazing. Hopefully you guys found it valuable, uh, you know. Go and 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 subscribe to their YouTube channels if you guys can. I think that would be incredible. I think they would appreciate it. I would appreciate it because I think these brothers are super fire. And I think they deserve more subscribers, if I may say. Um, that would be incredible. Uh, Pastor Roy Dockery is very searchable. Uh, Jason Mayfield is tagged in this video. If you if you guys have recommendations for us for what you want us to talk about next time, okay, leave those verses in the comments section. Jeremiah 29, 11 was a big one, but if you guys have specific recommendations, maybe we'll get into, I don't know, Malachi, tithing. Is tithing biblical for the Christian? Maybe we'll go in there. I want to hear from you guys in the comment section, which, which, uh, verses do you guys want to see covered in part three of this conversation? Appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good night. Peace. Joshua, the king came down and bore it off. Yeah. Conversations front of the fireplace. All of my mistakes. out of I erase?